look who's coming up. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard and it is a absolute pleasure uh, to have you aboard the show today. Really fun program uh, that I'm certainly looking forward to bringing you, getting you up to date on the big news of the day uh, that's going on in whatever sport uh, in the fantasy world that you are involved in. And we're going to preview uh, a lot of hockey today. Uh, three hockey guests that we have on the show today. Really, really looking forward to chatting with these guys. Uh, we are going to get to uh, some football talk right off the bat, but this is the guest list. Marty Murray, a new GM for the Brandon Wheat Kings of the WHL, uh, former player of the year in the WHL. Guy Flaming, a guy I worked with for many years on the Pipeline Show, has a terrific junior program, uh, The you know, Basically, for me, it's the foremost prospect show out there. So you will want to check that out. If you're in fantasy and you want to do your homework on the future of hockey, it plays there. And Michael Amato of Dauber Hockey makes his debut today. He will join us every Thursday, 5.20 p.m. Eastern time. Get you set for the weekend. Today, we're going to look at forwards. We've uh, looked at goaltenders with Mike McKenna, we looked at defensemen with Larry Fisher, and we'll look at forwards with Michael Amato. We'll also take a look at a couple of goalie battles in the National Hockey League as training camps are open. Uh, that is a very exciting thing uh, for this particular guy, uh, that's for sure. And if you need the edge this year and you're not getting it from NBC Edge, you'll get it from Dauber Hockey Live player news, player feeds, all the good stuff that you need to win your fantasy hockey, including uh, you can get your hands on the Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide right now at DauberHockey.com. It's actually been updated uh, with some of the news. So make sure you check that out at DauberHockey.com. So let's get going with our question of the day. And that is, what was your favorite non-professional team growing up? Now, this could be a college team, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, hockey. Uh, for me, it's the Brandon Weekings, the team I grew up in, the city I grew up in. I thought they were NHLers. And then we actually had some of them live with us, and I just thought it was the most amazing thing. So uh, for me, it's it's that. And um, I didn't really have um, a U.S. college uh, team. Uh, I guess the Brandon Bobcats would be the closest thing, but... I'll go with the Wheat Kings, but chime in on uh, the Twitch chat. Tony says the Kelleher Comets. There you go. Love it. Andy Max Showtime chiming in live. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on the message board in Twitch. You can also get me at Duck Millard. You can get us at UFS Network as well. Uh, what was your favorite non-professional team growing up? Also today... Uh, this is, uh, it, it, it's quite amazing that there's a video out there and unfortunately I don't think I'm going to be able to play it, but you, you remember the, I'm a man, I'm 40 rant that is 15 years old today. Can you believe that? I'm a man, I'm 40 is 15 years old. Like, it just seems like yesterday where I was watching that. And it was just yesterday because uh, it was recently 
on a top 10 list uh, for TSN. But that video and that rant, one of the greatest, like, just went off. Oh, first time viewer says UConn women's basketball. How could you, it's pretty hard to go wrong uh, with that. I mean, maybe the best program ever, possibly. That's from Cap Savage, uh, first time viewer. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. Cap Savage, we love uh, when we get first time uh, viewers, listeners uh, joining us on the program. So keep them coming. What is your favorite non-professional team that you loved growing up? That's the question of the day. Andy Max says, do wrestling stables count? NWO for me. Uh, there we go. Okay, so top three coaching rants in honor of this. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. Oh, just Dennis from uh, White Walkers who's uh, joining us as Cap Savage. Hey, Dennis. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So that video is 15 years old. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. So I want to know your top three coaching rants. And I, I tried to get some video for some of these. It just wasn't working out. So unfortunately, we won't have any video. But just John Tortorella anything from torts like torts and brooksy as he calls them like it's so good yeah i guess that's what i'm saying brooksy and they get into a big fight that anything tortorella like anything like just and the weird thing is if you ever get to talk to john tortorella when he's not in hockey mode he's such a nice guy such a great dude but he just he lost he just did not like uh, brooksy larry brooks from the new york post dennis green the bears are who they thought we no, they the bears are who we thought they were. I don't know. Maybe I screwed that up, but you know, you get the gist. And, and Hal McRae from baseball. I mean, Hal McRae's classic throwing the phone in his office and just freaking out is uh, also an absolute classic. Beavis is uh, joining the show. Beavis says the classic playoffs, Jim Mora. Playoffs? Yeah, that is a good one. Playoffs? You can use that for anything. Playoffs? Playoffs. So your uh, top three coaching rants uh, here on Ultimate Fans, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily in honor of this clip being 15 years old. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah. All right. He's a man and he's 40. And that is 15 years old. So that's uh, what we're rolling out with uh, right off the bat on the show. Your top three coaching rants. There's so many. Like there is literally... So many coaching rants that it might be hard to narrow them down to just three. 
Who knows? I was I I was thinking of a whole lot more uh, that I was trying to fit in there, uh, but unfortunately, it's just the top three list. Oh, any Bobby Knight interview? Yeah, that that is uh, is good. Of course, there's the classic chair chair throwing, uh, but Bobby Knight had a lot of them. Good one. Uh, that comes in from Dennis. All right, uh, so we have obviously a football game tonight. How entertaining is this football game going to be? Well, from a fantasy perspective, and feel free to chime in and let me know what you think of my starts and sits for the Steelers and the Browns tonight. And these are their projected points. Uh, so Mitch Trubisky and J- uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, both around 14 points. I, I, I hope you can do better than that, uh, unless it's an injury situation. I would probably start Brissett, I, I think. Ah, geez, that's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, I wouldn't start any of them if I had to. That's why they're both uh, sitting. Najee Harris, 12.1 points, and Nick Chubb at 14.7 points. I think both of those guys are going to outpoint their projections. So I would start both of those guys at uh, running back or, you know, not obviously hopefully you have a, a better running back going this season. But as a, as a number two option, that's not too bad. Uh, Jalen Warren and Kareem Hunt, uh, both sitting. Uh, Kareem Hunt might be able to get you a touchdown, but I'd still sit both of those guys. Uh, Deontay Johnson is a start. And Amari Cooper is a start. And I think both of those guys are also going to get more than just the 8.3 and the 8.8 that they're being uh, projected for uh, Chase Claypool could be a flex option. Uh, Devonte Peoples Jones would be sitting, and uh, I would not start either uh, tight end. So interesting. Andy Max says I'd start Kareem Hunt in a flex spot. Weather in Cleveland is windy and wet. For a hail mary flex, you can go with Pittsburgh tight end Gentry, but only for DFS. All right, there we go. I love it. Andy Mac chiming in right now, and. We just talked to Andy yesterday about uh, Kareem Hunt, or Nick Chubb scoring that touchdown. He obviously has fantasy owners in mind, so definitely start Nick Chubb. And Andy says flex spots for Kareem Hunt. So maybe kind of like Chase Claypool. Maybe Kareem Hunt could be your flex spot and uh, Chase Claypool uh, possibly. But, you know, you should have better options than getting 6.7 points out of Chase Claypool. I'm not sure if he's going to d- d- get a little bit more than that. But I know Deontay Johnson and Amari Cooper, I think those guys are going to outpoint their projections. Andy was supposed to be at this game tonight, but I think, unfortunately, they couldn't make it, so they had to reschedule. I can't wait to get him in Cleveland at a Browns game on this show. Like, even before the game, I want to see, like, pre-Andy McNamara on this show, pre-Browns game, Andy McNamara. I think it'll be uh, pretty cool uh, to see that. So, that's my starts and sits for the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Again, not, uh, in my opinion, a terribly sexy matchup. Uh, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of points uh, from this game. And, and and as Andy said, the wind weather is wet and windy uh, in Cleveland. Uh, so ball control is going to be tough. Uh, I still think Gia- Deontay Johnson and um, oh, what was the uh, – I can't even find it. Uh, I still think Deontay Johnson – and Amari Cooper end up with a touchdown each. Um, the weather, though, that is uh, getting me a little bit worried, and which is probably why those projections are so low as well. Han Solo. 
Uh, all right, if you want to make a bet, football is back, as you know. Big college games this weekend. Maybe you want to go with this game tonight, the Browns and the Steelers. If you want to bet responsibly, use my code in my Twitter bio, at Duck Millard, to get a 125% bonus to use on any sports, football, baseball, basketball, whatever you like. Head to my Twitter uh, handle, at Duck Millard. Click on the link in the bio. It'll take you to the Podcast Alley page, and boom, 125% bonus when you make a deposit. Bet on the game tonight. Bet on something this weekend, whatever it might be. Bet on who's going to make the playoffs. Playoffs? I don't know. Maybe you're you want to bet make some uh, prop bets uh, on what's going on tonight as well. So check that out. And my Twitter feed, at Duck Millard, and you can get into some action. So, also, uh, I was checking this out earlier today. Michael Gallup looks to be returning Monday night versus the Giants. Listen, the Cowboys need all the help that they can get. Just 23 points in two games. Second fewest in the NFL. 20 points fewer than they were getting per game last year when they had Amari Cooper and, of course, a healthy Dak. Gallup hasn't played in eight months because of a torn ACL. Now, this is the weird thing. The Cowboys still signed him to a five-year, $62.5 million deal a day after they traded Amari Cooper because they feel they can get the same production for less dollars with Gallup. It's a guy we told you to stash on your roster because now it sounds like he's coming back a little bit early. I'm not in the camp of Michael Gallup's going to produce the same as Amari Cooper. I know he's going to be whatever, you know, way cheaper, maybe half the price, whatever it is. I still don't think you're getting, you're certainly not going to get that production from Michael Gallup with Cooper Rush. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're not. If Dak comes back, sure. Yeah. You, you've got a, a, a good option downfield, but I don't know. Salary cap is everything in in a lot of these leagues, and and that's often what happens is guys get moved out because, you know, Amari Cooper has been moved around a little bit. So keep an eye out for Michael Gallup. It's tough, though, because this guy is coming back from an eight-month delay uh, with a torn ACL. So how comfortable are you throwing in a guy that hasn't played in eight months that's coming back from an ACL? I always like waiting on players when they come back from injuries because I don't care how much you practice or how fast you practice. It's never game shape. So it's also a risk because it's Monday and you're waiting and you better have something else if Gallup doesn't end up getting back in the lineup. So just a few fantasy football notes uh, for you. Uh, And also we're going to talk a little fantasy baseball and mostly what Aaron Judge is doing. So 60 home runs is where Aaron Judge remains with or sits with 14 games remaining. One behind Roger Maris, 61 and 61. The Yankees get the Red Sox tonight. Judge had a final at bat last night. Everybody was going crazy and he walked on four straight pitches. The booze rained down. People were going for the exits like rats were in the stands. Tonight, they start a four-game set with Boston in New York. Michael Walker starts for the Red Sox on the hill. He's just uh, given up 11 home runs this year, but he is right-handed, and Judge has hit 47 of his 60 home runs off of righties. However, if he's going to hit a home run off Walker, it will be the first of his career. In fact, he doesn't even have a hit in 11 at-bats against the 31-year-old pitcher who is 11-1 and 
this year. So the judge watch is on. It'd be cool if he did it against the Red Sox. If he if if, if he's tied right now with Babe Ruth, if he goes past Babe as a Yankee against the Red Sox, very cool story. Um, and then where does he sit? Does he get to Sammy Sosa at 65 or 64? Does he get to McGuire at 65? We'll see. The other awesome story right now is uh, the Albert Pujol story. And yeah, Canadian fans, remember the Albert, Albert, Albert commercial. It was for hockey, but this is for Albert Pujols, the star in baseball, sitting at 698 home runs with 12 games remaining in the season. It would be a crying shame if Albert Pujols did not get to 700. I asked on Twitter who gets there first. Uh, 56% say Judge gets to 62 before Pujols gets to 700. Alex Rodriguez, he just passed him at 696. Ruth is at 714. Aaron, 755. Bond, 762. But just get to 700, Albert, and all will be fine. You can retire as the legend and Hall of Famer. That he is. All right, uh, so a little bit of baseball. We'll get to some uh, more baseball lineup decisions. Uh, actually, I want to I want to do this right now because he's a good Canadian. How about Joey Votto last night? He's out for the season. He went and he hung out in the stands and hung out with fans and just chilled out with them. Like, this is, a, and he's wearing a Barry Larkin jersey. Like, this is just awesome. This is why Canadians are the best. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit biased, but Joey Votto hanging out with these kids in the stands and everybody else is a great story. So let's end this segment on that great story. All right, another great story uh, for people in my neck of the woods uh, is... Uh, the, the change of GM uh, for the Brandon Wheat Kings because uh, a legend uh, for the Wheat Kings is back. Marty Murray, the new GM for the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, he will join us next on the show as the season gets underway this weekend. We'll have Guy Flaming to preview it a little bit later on, but we'll talk with Marty about being back in Brandon, the Keystone Center, and uh, some Crocus Plains memories, maybe. We'll see. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on uh, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. We are back in in about 30 seconds. Twenty-one p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, three uh, twenty-one, uh, where my next guest uh, will be joining me from, and where hopefully my dad is watching. It's if if the one show my dad is going to watch is probably uh, going to be this one. So uh, hopefully he's tuning in for this one, as I'm uh, really excited to bring in our next guest, uh, the GM of the Brandon Wheat Kings, 
uh, Marty Murray. Marty, thanks so much uh, for joining me. Congratulations. Uh, how are things uh, been uh, leading up to the first game this weekend? Uh, it's uh, well. First of all, thanks for having me on, Dino. It's been a while since we've uh, we've uh, we've seen each other, so it's always good to see you. And uh, no, it's exciting. I'm I'm thrilled to be back. It was over 30 years ago when I was here as a player, and and uh, you know a lot of things have changed, obviously, and a lot of things are the same. So uh, you know, it's been a pretty hectic training camp, just getting to know the players, our guys a little better, but uh, really anxious to get to the next phase to start the regular season here at the home opener on Saturday. I know it was it was strange. I was in Regina for a game last year, and the Weekings were there. And my dad and, and my brother Derek, we all went to the game. And, and Darren Ritchie's son was playing, uh, and and I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. This is going to be a time warp for you because now he's wearing Darren's old number uh, and and you know playing for your team. So obviously a, a key guy, but uh, a little bit of a, a uh, you know takes you back in time a little bit, doesn't it? Well, it makes you feel old. That's, that's <laughs> for sure. You know, I think it really set in. I think the first day of training camp, there's probably three or four kids in camp that uh you know i played with or against her dad so it kind of a little shock to the ego there a little bit into the system but uh no in all seriousness uh looking forward to getting the season started i know nolan uh is going to be a real good player for us we named him as one of our co-captains uh yesterday so uh you know he's a he's a kid that uh i could re- i really think is going to excel this year in our our division and be a an elite player in the league so, Marty, this is, uh, you know, a, a move that I think a lot of people, uh, even last time I saw you was at the Memorial Cup in Brandon. Even back then, people were talking, you know, are we going to get Marty Murray back at some point? And I know you, you spent a lot of time in the NAHL with Minot and obviously with Sioux Falls in the USHL. Why was this now the right time? We'd heard your name a lot, um, you know, for years. Why was it the right time now uh, to, to move back to, to Brandon, where, you know, close to where you grew up, and lead the Weekings? Well, you touched on the Memorial Cup, so I'll answer your question in a second. But I always, I'll never forget that uh, I, have, I had trouble getting a ticket for the final game of the Memorial Cup, Brandon, and in the final Memorial Cup. And uh, you came through with me for a ticket, so I'll never forget that. Otherwise, I would have been, you know, looking through the window of the Keystone Center trying to get a shot of the ice. So uh, you treated me well that day, my friend. So uh, I'll always remember that. So, uh, but you know, as far as the weekend job, I think that, uh, I don't know when I got into coaching and, and being on the managerial side, I thought that maybe at some point there might be an opportunity for me to join the Wheat Kings and, uh, uh, in some kind of capacity. And, um, you know, it just made sense. Um, you know, my, my kids are at a difficult age or in high school. Um, but, uh, we sat down as a family and discussed it and, and I uh, thought this was a real good opportunity. And, and uh, you know, I, I can't thank the Weekings uh, enough for what they did to me, for me as a player. And, and uh, hopefully I get to kind of uh, pay it forward with some of these kids here. So it's just a, a great time for us to uh, make that decision and make the trek. Uh, my family is is uh, still in Sioux Falls. I have a son in grade 12. So it's a, on the family front, it's a little difficult, but uh such as life as hockey. I think my wife followed me around for 15 years when I was a pro, so she's kind of used to it. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through it and uh, looking forward to the season. Now I'm feeling old because, you know, you have kids in <laughs> high school, and, and that's where we kind of met at, at Crocus in high school. Of course, 
everybody around the Westman area had heard of you uh, growing up and, you know, heard the stories about playing against Marty, but, but getting to know you was, was so fun. And, you know, I, what's it been like being back in Brandon? I mean, I, I find it hard that you were having trouble getting a ticket for the Memorial Cup. Like, I think you might be able to run for mayor at some point in Brandon, but what has it been like being back in Brandon? Because, you know, I've talked to Kelly McCrimmon a lot and, and, and the trade that he made for you, uh, you know, trading Trevor Kidd to Spokane and bringing you here, he says it turned the organization around. And so you're a favorite son in Brandon. What has it been like being back? And, you know, what's that kind of pressure like having it back again, be, being a week king? Well, it's great. You know, it, it's uh, like I said, it's been 30 years since I left as a player uh, a long time ago. And and uh, but, you know, you still run into a lot of the same people and, you know, nothing's changed. People are friendly. They're welcoming. And, and that's certainly what I felt uh, since day one of taking the job here. So uh, it's nice to be you know, out and around the Keystone Center and, and uh, um, you know, seeing some familiar faces. I think, uh, you know, Rob, the Zamboni guy is still the guy that did the ice mm -hmm. when uh, when we were here as players. And you see a lot of the same uh, supporters, same people. And, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of things that have changed, but uh, uh, a lot of things that are still the same. And that's kind of the blue-collar mentality we want to have here in Brandon. Yeah, I was just going to talk to you about the the club this year, um, you know, expectations. Uh, you know, something that you have now that you didn't have before is that rivalry with Winnipeg, and that's kind of a neat thing for Manitobans that everybody always uh, talked about. But, you know, expectations for the team this year, you know, what do you say uh, to those that say, what do we expect from, from the club this year? I know it's hard because you've just started to kind of put your, your fingerprints on this, but what should we expect from the Weekings this year? Well, I think the first thing we want to create is an identity for the hockey club, right? I think we want to be a team that uh, brings our work boots every night. And I think that's what the uh, great fans of the Weekings expect. And, you know, we want to be a team that's hard to play against and, uh, you know, they're going to work their tail off every night. And you're obviously not going to win, but our goal is to give ourselves a chance to win every night. And in saying that, I know our division is going to be uh, very, very tough this year. I know Winnipeg is going to be strong again this year and Moose Jaw and, the list goes on and on. We got a pretty special player down the road in Regina. We got to watch uh, a number of times. So uh, it's going to be uh, a very competitive night in, night out. And, and you know, we don't want to forecast too far, uh, but we feel good about our team. And, and uh, it's kind of a week to week thing here right now. Yeah, rivalries on both sides. Obviously, Connor Bedard. Uh, you know, you being a guy who uh, had a lot of uh, hype uh, to him as a as a young player, you know, might be able to relate to to the the attention that Connor Bedard is 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 going to get. Uh, but there's also uh, some skill in Moose Jaw. There's some skill in uh, Winnipeg. I mean, the WHL this year, uh, the draft for the WHL is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So just in your division alone, there's some really high caliber 2023 draft eligible kids. Well, yeah, there there could be uh, four top ten picks in our division alone this year with uh, Bedard and Jaeger and and uh, Benson and, and Danielson. So um, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, this is a hockey fan. It's going to be fun to watch those kids play. They're a special group of players, obviously, and a good supporting cast. So um, you know, on that front, as a fan, it'll be uh, uh, fun to watch. But uh, when I put my general manager's hat on it'll, it'll be a little nerve-wracking to see those kids out in the ice but uh i'm looking forward to it. i think it's going to be a real competitive year and and uh you know hopefully we can start off on the right foot here on saturday what uh you, you were a head coach for a number of years in minot and then grabbed the gm role as well what did you like not like about uh, coaching and and what made you want to gravitate more to the to the gm role you know what was it like being behind the bench well i mean it, it brings your competitive nature out for sure and i think it gives you an up close and uh personal relationship with the kids day in day out uh, 
you know, working with them in practice. So there's a lot of things about uh, both that I like. And to be honest with you, uh, to put one ahead of the other was kind of tough. But uh, I'm, I'm enjoying my job as, as GM here, my role with the Wheat Kings. Um, I found that the higher you climb up the ladder, um, you know, it's pretty difficult if you're wearing both hats. Um, so right now I'm enjoying um, learning about our players and understanding the league a little better and have a lot of experience with Don McGilvery here and his staff. And, uh, um, you know, I think we're all on the same page about the type of team we want to be. And, um, you know, uh, it's go time on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, two years in the USHL. That, that's a league that has really exploded. I mean, we started doing the Pipeline show in like 2004 or 2005, and, and, and it, was, it was pretty good back then. That's a, I think it's an, a really underrated league, and for fans of hockey, it's a, it's a great little area to tour around and see some of those games. What did you like about, uh, you know, specifically Sioux Falls and, and being in that league? It's a really good league. I mean, um, uh, you know, 30 years ago when I was going through the process, um, you know, you didn't hear much about it, but, uh, you know, you just look at the world juniors or the Olympics, everything. I mean, the, the, the gap in, uh, the Canada maybe used to have is, is definitely, uh, shrinking a little bit and it's certainly not taken away from any way from the talent that we have here. This homegrown, um, Canadian through and through. And I love this. We have a rivalry in the house with, uh, my wife being American, so we mm-hmm. have a pretty good rivalry with World Juniors and Olympics and things like that. But uh, you know, the USHL is a good league. They they produce a lot of high end talent, and and uh, you know, I think that's just good for the game in general. I think it's uh, good to have. Uh, there's a lot of really good players out there, and and uh, you know, I was quite impressed with the league, uh, especially not seeing it night in night out two years ago when I first stepped in. And now you're back in the Western Hockey League, the CHL, which, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I think it is the uh, the greatest development league uh, that is that is out there. And, and you know, you, you would know you played in it. Um, and following in, in some footsteps of, of guys that, you know, were around for you in uh, Kelly McCrimmon, and I'm sure he, he reached out to you, and, and I've chatted with him a little bit about you taking this job. But, you know, maybe maybe what do you take from a guy like Kelly who, who you spent some so much time with and, and guided you and you, do you take some from so all those guys and you know put it into what you do now for sure I think Kelly's a guy that I've admired ever since I met him as a young 15 year old at the time I think and uh he's a you know um wears his heart in his sleeve he's a he's a guy that uh, has bled black and gold for a long time and um certainly a guy I'm lucky to have to lean on when I need him and uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. There's, uh, you know, Darren Ritchie is, is in Brandon. He, I sat with him an hour ago in practice. And, uh, so, you know, just bouncing things off him. That's, uh, he's been around the league a long time as well. Mark Johnson was my assistant coach. He's still one of our head scouts. So it's nice having those familiar faces, uh, around people I can really count on and, and trust. And, you know, Bobby Lowe's old coach, he's a, a scout. So he, he knows, uh, every hockey player in Western Canada. So those are great resources to have. And, thankful that I uh, have those guys in my corner. Yeah, Mark Johnson, I remember his uh, hockey camp in September in, uh, at the Sportsplex getting ready for it. So uh, definitely a, a great hockey mind uh, f- for that and to, to lean on and, and things like that. And, um, you know, the, the competitive juices, as you, as you talk about, when, you, when you're sitting with a, a guy like Darren Ritchie, do you guys go back in time or you, you stay in the current time? Because you guys had such a good, uh, you know, chemistry. Obviously, your, your 95 season, you were the WHL Player of the Year, the World Junior top forward I was just talking to Peter Labardius about that because the world juniors was in Edmonton this summer but do you guys drift back into time or are you guys more focused on current day 
Uh, it's a combination, you know, when you're sitting out there for uh, an hour and 45 minute practice, uh, the conversation goes every direction. So, you know, Darren's a real good friend of mine and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to reminisce about the old times and, and uh, you know, it's, it's fun to uh, rack his brain a little bit uh, on some of the current stuff around the WHL, obviously. Um, you know, he, he having a boy here, it's a, a little bit different, uh, uh, but uh, he, he's a great resource to have. He's very knowledgeable. And uh, again, he's another guy to learn from, from the best in Krim. Yeah, uh, totally. I remember I, that game I uh, was watching in Regina, uh, his son, Nolan, actually rocked Connor Bedard pretty hard. So I texted Darren and he said, oh, how was the fight afterwards? But uh, Nolan, <laughs> Nolan, uh, he did well. He, he He's a feisty player. I, I, I really like that in him. And, um, you know, that's sort of the, the attitude that I'm sure that you guys are going to try to feed off of, I imagine. For sure. I mean, we want to be competitive. I know uh, Nolan, even though he probably doesn't rack up the penalty minutes, uh, he's a competitive guy, as was his dad. Darren was a sleepy, uh, he, he got in a few fights in his Western League career and uh, not too many because we'd rather have him on the ice scoring. But, uh, you know, when he was called upon, he, he held his own pretty good in the fights. So it, uh, obviously the game's changed a lot since then, but, uh, you know, just kind of goes back to the first part when I, and I said, we want to be a team across the board that uh, works hard, that plays hard every night. And if your best players are doing it uh, like a Richie and Danielson, um, everybody will follow suit. Uh, mentioned, uh, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, the past owner, would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the new group that owns the Oil Kings and uh, the Jacobson group and, and Jared Jacobson specifically. Uh, this is a, a guy who's doing some really good things. I was back in the, the summer and uh, Craig Anderson gave me a tour of the new rink that's out on the south side. Uh, I think this is really great. And, you know, for, for Kelly to sell the team, I know it was hard, but knowing that it was staying with somebody committed to Brandon, I think made it probably a little bit easier. And uh, I think what Jared is doing is some, and, and the family are doing some really great things with the Wheat Kings right now. Yeah, no question. When I reached out to Kelly after he sold the team, I think that was a, uh, one of the first thing he said, you know, the, the, the comfort he had with uh, Jared keeping the team in Brandon and, and expanding on what, what he has done, I think was uh, comforting for the McCrimmon family. I think it was probably a pretty tough call for them, but uh, you know, Jared's been great. He's a guy that uh, again, I'm five, six years older than him. So uh, skated with him, uh, you know, in, in the fall, getting ready for camp and stuff like that. So I did remember him uh, at that point, but uh, being gone for so long, he's obviously done some really good things. He's a really smart guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's done a lot of work. You know, I, I said that uh, a lot of things are the same, but a lot of things have changed as well. And, you know, he did a tremendous job with the locker room and, and the players lounge and the weight room and, and things like that go a long way. And, you know, he's committed, he's got a fire that uh, he wants to, be competitive every year and, and be a team that, uh, you know, just has built off the tradition that uh, the people before him have done. Well, and that, you know, you're, you nailed it. You, when you're recruiting, it's more than just the hockey in the lineup. It's the facilities. I remember Brent Sutter went down to the world juniors in North Dakota and came back and said, we got to blow up our dressing room because that room in North Dakota is one of the reasons why kids are, you know, going to those. So those facilities are very, very important and, and great to hear that. And, and great to catch up with you, uh, Marty. Uh, four former week Kings are GMs in the NHL. Maybe one day you'll make it a fifth, but I know you got big things planned for the Brandon week Kings right now. And, and uh, I know a lot of people are, are really excited. So thanks for spending some time with me today. Best of luck, and I look forward to seeing you when you roll through Edmonton. You bet. That's awesome, Dino. Thanks for having me on, bud. You betcha. There is Marty Murray, uh, the GM of the Brandon Wheat Kings, and uh, just a, a super guy. 
Uh, I used to bug him in, in high school and just, you know, chat with him because we billed it a weekend. And I think this first year they won 11 games and then just totally turned the franchise around and uh, looks to take the franchise to new heights again. So good stuff. Uh, great to always see former players getting back in the game as well. He mentioned Darren Ritchie. Darren Ritchie was uh, the GM at one point. So I love when former players, uh, once their career ends, uh, hopefully of their choosing, uh, getting back into giving back to the game. And, and I know Brandon is in excellent hands uh, with Marty. All right. Uh, we have some bold predictions to get to when we come back. Uh, we will talk about some bold predictions, maybe for the WHL, whatever it is that you want, whatever bold prediction you would like to make. Uh, we'll also uh, drop back into the Twitch chat right after we come back. I'll get a uh, quick drink of water and we will return shortly. Eastern time. What a great conversation that was. You know, this is the, this is the thing. So people that know me know I'm pretty proud of uh, being for Brandon. We got a weaking helmet or a mask right in front of me here. But that was a bit, that was a, a, a fun one for me. You know, people always say, don't meet your heroes. Sometimes that's true. I've met some heroes of mine that I looked up to and they were not, it wasn't fun. Marty Murray would never disappoint like that. He's a, just a, a nice individual, was raised properly in Lyleton, Manitoba. So great uh, conversation with Marty, and I know he's going to do great things with the Wheat Kings. Um, Dennis from the White Walkers uh, is a Cleveland area guy. He said uh, there's going to be a lot of Nick Chubb tonight. Because of the weather, so there we go. And Andy Mack wants to feed Chubb. I'm not, uh, I don't really care. I don't have either of these guys. I would just like Josh Jacobs to start get going in fantasy football. I'm a little bit sick of uh, Josh Jacobs not scoring any touchdowns because I'm in a touchdown-only league, so. Arnie says, as a Broncos fan, it's hard to hear about some of the Wheat King successes. 
Well, listen, there's the, the the Swift Current Broncos have something the Brandon Weekings don't, and that's a Memorial Cup. So Brandon's been in the final 79, 2010. They got crushed by Windsor. So the Broncos do have something that the Weekings don't. So at least there's that. But I think Marty is going to do a good job. And uh, we're going to talk with Gee Flaming a little bit later. So Arnie, you're going to want to hear what he has to say about the Swift Current Broncos because they uh, are certainly... Uh, going to come up in that conversation. All right, right now, it is time to get to some bold predictions. I know we're going to win. I have that attitude. This was headlines on all the sports sections in New York. Mark Messier said, we will win game six. Talking about guaranteeing we're going to win, yeah. That's right, that's the way we felt. He said we will win game six. He has just picked up the hat trick. Bold predictions at this point. Whatever you want to make, whatever bold prediction you would like to make, you can do that. Uh, I'm going to predict that somebody's going to get 125% bonus uh, by using my link at Duck Millard on Twitter, and you can get the podcast alley special. 125% bonus when you bet on sports at BetUS. Head to Duck Millard on Twitter. Use the link in my bio. As for bold predictions, my bold prediction is the Brandon Weekings are going to knock out the Winnipeg Ice in the playoffs. That's really bold because Winnipeg is the front runner for that division. So I think Brandon's going to either beat them out in the first or the second round. That's my bold prediction. The rivalry between Brandon and Winnipeg is going to get better and better. It's like Moose Jaw Regina. You know, Calgary, Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton, Red Deer. They're all about the same distance away. So that's my bold prediction. But, oh, Arnie says Brady Bernie is going to have a huge year in Swift Current. Called it a month or so ago. Arnie says Stevenson will be the first line center in Vegas and Eichel will be the number two center. That is a bold prediction. Jack Eichel is going to have... Such a good year in Vegas. People don't realize how good Jack Eichel is going to be. He is going to crush it in Vegas. Mark Stone, the former Weeking, setting him up. It's going to be nasty. So what's your bold prediction for the National Football League? What's your bold prediction when it comes to Major League Baseball? Here's another bold prediction. The Dodgers are going to tie the record for the Seattle Mariners of 116 wins in 2001. It's ridiculous how far ahead of the Dodgers, how far ahead the Dodgers are than everybody. If they don't win the World Series this year, it's going to be a crying shame. As for the NFL, I have a bold prediction for you. Jalen Hurts throws for three touchdowns against Washington. Now, if you've been following Jalen Hurts, you will know that he only has one passing touchdown this year. But he has three rushing touchdowns. So Washington is going to try to take away the run and he's going to throw for three touchdowns. Book it. Bold prediction this weekend. 
Jalen Hurts, three passing touchdowns. We'll throw in one on the ground for good measure. He's going to lead all fantasy quarterbacks this weekend in points. That's my bold prediction. Let's go back to this uh, great Canadian. This is so incredible to see Joey Votto last night at this game. Hanging out with the fans. The guy is out for the year, but he's like, ah, I don't care. I'm going to take pictures. This one kid has 18 Joey Votto cards. And he gets the fist pumps. Went and hung out with the crowd. That's because he's a good Canadian. Joey Votto. Good dude, man. Great dude. Out for the year, decides to go hang out with the fans. Like, look at this. He's sitting in the stands with these guys. Like, this guy's sitting down. He probably went and got a hot dog or something like that. He's like, hey, Joey Votto's sitting beside me. Be like, hey, Joey, you're in my seat. Imagine. Joey, that's my ticket. So good on Joey Votto. Uh, for getting out there with the fans. Uh, As for actual baseball players last night, Blake Snell shoving a 23-point night uh, to lead all pitchers. Thanks to seven innings of two-hit, no-earned runs, He gets the win. He gets the quality start. He gets 11 strikeouts. The no-hitter was broken up by Albert Pujols. Not a home run, but a single. Good night for Blake Snell and the Wolfpack. Gleber Torres of the Yankees and the Black Bears in UFLB. He throws down 23. Three for four, couple of home runs. Five RBIs for the Yankee. One of those home runs should have been to Aaron Judge. But Judge was walked on four straight pitches, and then a home run was hit right after him. Five RBIs for Torres, four runs scored, and he also drew a walk. So great night uh, for the Black Bears and the Yankees. Uh, Tristan McKenzie of the Guardians and the Woodpeckers coming through with 17 points through eight innings, gets the win, 13 strikeouts, the quality start for just two earned runs. And Willie Adamas of the Hounds and the Brewers, 13 points, uh, Only two at-bats because he walked twice. He did score once. He had two RBIs thanks to a home run and was one for 2 So those are your top-shelf fantasy performers. And here are some of the guys that you should just be having in your lineup right now. Ahmed Rosario is on fire like Mariah. The member of the Guardians is crushing it right now. 385, 415, 564 slash line, an OPS of 979 in the last week. Two home runs, 12 RBIs. He also threw in four stolen bases. Oh yeah, he plays three positions as well. Swiss Army knife, that's getting it done. He had an eight-hit game a while ago. This guy is just slugging it for the Guardians. Uh, Another shortstop, Elvis Andrus of the White Sox. 
had a pretty good week. Six stolen bases. He he might have won you that category if you're playing head-to-head just on this week. Like, that guy alone probably won a playoff matchup this week because somebody crushed it in stolen bases. Like, if you had Andrus and Rosario and had Rosario in the outfield, you had 10 stolen bases. Pretty impressive. Uh, by the way, Elvis Andrus is rostered on only 49% of teams, uh, so something to check out. Rosario's on a lot. And how about Nate Eaton of the Royals? He's on 1% of the rosters, but had a pretty good week. That's a career. 12, for some people, four hits in 12 at-bats, a couple of walks, also a demon on the base pass with three stolen bases, scored a run, also plays three different positions. So that's that should be right field. That's pretty impressive for Nate Eaton uh, in 12 at-bats, and obviously he's going to be available in your league with just 1% ownership. Now, how about the flip side of this? Who should be grabbing some pine when it comes to your lineup? Now, I know Giancarlo Stanton just hit a grand slam, but it's, as he said, about time, and it's been few and far between. 13 strikeouts in the last week is what he's really put up. Two of them, two hits, one of them uh, grand slam in his last 22 at-bats. Obviously, this is a guy who is on a lot of rosters, but right now, he is uh, really having a tough time. I don't know. The fact that he hit that grand slam makes me think you might maybe he's heating up, but this happens a lot. Guys, well, Jesse Winker used to do this. He'd get a hit, and then he'd go dry. So I would say um, until Giancarlo Stanton can consistently throw down some hits, grab some pine. Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks. Also double-digit strikeouts, no walks, 250 average. He's on 78% of rosters. Grab some pine. And Chris Taylor, this hurts me. A Dodger hitting 167. This guy plays everywhere and usually plays really well, but not lately. Struck out 11 times. He's only scored two runs in 24 at-bats. And is uh, a guy who's only on 59% of the rosters uh, because he, he moves around and he doesn't play every day. Well, the injuries he has been, but I would be benching these guys right now. Now, the one guy I would maybe look at is Giancarlo Stanton, and maybe he might be heating up. But 13 strikeouts and 22 at-bats is horror-awful for Giancarlo Stanton. Obviously, keep watching in case something happens. Now, something has happened as we turn our attention to uh, back to some hockey with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, GM Fletcher says uh, they're not sure if this is season-ending or career-ending. Chuck Fletcher says it's too premature to say if this season is career. The injury is career or season-ending for Sean Couturier. He says Couturier is feeling better than he did last year, and they are optimistic the issue can be resolved. However, he does acknowledge that Ryan Ellis's issues could be career-ending. That is an absolute shame. Ryan Ellis was an awesome defenseman. 
Like, do you remember Jordan Eberle's goal at the World Juniors? It doesn't happen if Ryan Ellis doesn't make a great play. He was excellent for Nashville, and he was signing with the Flyers to be the main guy, and he played four games. The Flyers were 25-46-11 last year, so now you might not have Couturier, probably. Looks like you're not going to have Ryan Ellis, and you got torts, torching things already, saying how bad the locker room is. Child, please. I mean, how bad is it going to get for the Flyers? Do they win 25 games? Be bad for Bedard. I guess that's it. No Ellis, poss- probably no Couturier. Like, does Carter Hart get traded? I would not want to be playing for John Tortorella right now with those two guys out and already the locker room problems allegedly that Tort said there is. Oh, that is a recipe for a disaster. Like, I might have to get my brother Derek some counseling. And Guy Flaming, actually. He's a Flyers fan, too. He's going to join us uh, when we come back. So, it's going to be a tough year for the Flyers. Already. Training camp just started. Also, Gabriel Landeskog, uh, not in camp right away. Jared Bednar said he's dealing with an injury from last year. That's okay. They got guys coming in and out. They will be certainly fine, as opposed to the guy like Ryan Ellis, Sean Couturier with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt even more because Torts is there, and he's going to be really mad at times. He likes to get really, really mad, does Torts. All right, um, when we return, we're going to dive back into the Western Hockey League, and Guy Flaming is going to join us, a guy I spent a lot of time on the radio with uh, doing the Pipeline show, uh, a lot of time laughing, uh, a lot of time leaving the studio because I was laughing too hard. Uh, So we're going to chat with him. We're going to get a full WHL preview with the man who hosts the Pipeline Show. If you don't know about it, what rock have you been living under? Thepipelineshow.com is where you can find it. The uh, preeminent uh, show on hockey prospects with Guy. Uh, So you can check that out. We'll tell you all about it uh, as we go. But we'll dive into the Western Hockey League. Full preview. Season starts Friday. I can't wait to be back in the ring. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, We're going to chat with Guy when we come back. I'm going to get them all set up. We're back in about 30 seconds.
is uh, just before 5 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 2.57 in the Mountain Time Zone where I'm located and uh, my next guest is located. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, my name is Dean Millard. Thank you very much for being a part of the show. If you missed anything uh, earlier, uh, we had our starts and sits for the Browns and the Steelers game. We'll get circle back on that a little bit later. Also, uh, Marty Murray joined us, GM of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, those will be uploaded to YouTube, as will our next guest, uh, Guy Flaming from the Pipeline Show, and uh, our uh, third guest today, uh, Mike Amato from Dauber Hockey. Uh, but right now, uh, it is my uh, distinct pleasure uh, to bring in a good friend of mine, Guy Flaming of the Pipeline Show. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Dino. Great to uh, great to see you again. Yeah, it is awesome, and we're going to see each other at the rink uh, because the WHL season is uh, just about upon us, and I, I'm I'm excited. I mean, this year for the WHL, not only is like there's going to be so much talk about Connor Bedard, but I was just talking to Marty Murray. They could have four top ten picks in the East Division alone of the WHL. So it's a really good crop, I think, at the top end for the WHL. What do you think? Yeah, it's a banner year for the WHL. I, don't, I can't remember a year where we've, we've had this much hype this early uh, for players out of the Western Hockey League, which is great to see. There's a couple of guys out of the uh, just Western Canadians, like Matthew Wood playing in the BCHL and and players like that. But, yeah, no, the WHL, it's a, it's a strong year when it comes to the NHL draft. Yeah, and, and that's uh, always uh, an exciting thing. Obviously, one of the four majors uh, that you have and that we used to do uh, on the Pipeline show is the draft, and it's I guess it's the last one. Well, I guess this year, one of those majors was in the summertime, so it was a really yeah. weird season. I mean, I was at some of those games. That was bizarre. It was freezing, and it was bizarre to see Canada playing in such uh, weird, weird surroundings, uh, but we'll have much more of a, of a world junior, normal world junior this year. Do you think the WHL will have a dominant uh, focus on that team as well? Like they are with, sometimes it's a 19 year old tournament, so you don't see a lot of draft eligible kids make that team. Yeah. But do you think we'll see a strong component on the world junior team? I, I think you might see two goaltenders out of the Western Hockey mm -hmm. League, although uh, Ben Goudreau is in the mix there as well out of the OHL. So uh, there could be an even split there, but potential is there for for both goalies out of the western hockey league but uh i think it'll be fairly evenly split over the three chl leagues although the q usually takes a back seat to the ohl and the dub uh in uh, in a lot of respects and with the world junior team no exception uh, i think it'll be like next year and the year after that where we see really strong whl it might be like you might have 12 skaters from the whl on those teams yeah, and one of them won't be Connor Bedard because he'll be in the NHL yeah. uh, already. So that shows you how how good it can be. And you know the the Western Hockey League, uh, obviously, it, it's cyclical. We, you know, we were fortunate to watch Edmonton Portland three straight years, and then you know there's mm -hmm. a dip, and and then they they come back. And you know uh, Seattle, uh, you know, came close to getting to the Memorial Cup a few years back, losing to Brandon last year. Uh, they lose to to the Edmonton Oil Kings. And this year, the Memorial Cup is in Kamloops. Uh, so we know one WHL team is going to be there. Who do you think the other WHL team uh, will be that will join Kamloops this year, Geek? A lot of hockey still to be played, and you know that there'll be a lot of uh, movement with rosters. But right now, my, my pick would be the Seattle Thunderbirds to get back there again. Uh, the uh, the T-Birds were in the WHL final against the Oil Kings last year. They still, to me, 
they, they, they have players at every position. The defense might be a, an area where it's not a lot of name brands on there. We're not a, a lot of host, household names. Uh, Kevin Kurczynski, uh, for sure, and Jeremy Hansel, I think, are, are both players that most, uh, most junior hockey fans, at least, will recognize. But uh, I think if they're going to make some deals along the way, and you would, should expect that they will, uh, I would expect that it would be on the blue line where they would bring in a guy or two, uh, much like the Oil Kings did last year when they picked up Caden Gooley and Luke Prokop. Uh, those are the kind of moves that contenders make, uh, and I think Seattle could do that this year with their blue line. Right now, you know, you can look at Winnipeg and you can look at Moose Jaw in the east uh, and, and uh, Kamloops in, in Seattle in the, in the west, and you can never count out teams like Kelowna and Portland because they're always plucky and, and competitive uh, and the Everett Silvertips, sure. Uh, but right now, Seattle would be my pick. And and that would mean Seattle is upsetting Kamloops uh, on the way to the Memorial Cup, which, let's be honest, we see that quite often. There's not a lot of uh, host teams uh, that, you know, really run the table. I mean, and, and honestly, I, I said this way back when, when we were hosting the Pipeline show, if you're hosting the Memorial Cup, Getting to the second round is, or, or the third round even is probably fine. You get a little bit of a break, then you retool. You certainly don't want to be St. John and fire your coaching staff, although worked pretty well for Gardner McDougall and, and everybody. It but worked. Yeah, it did, strangely. But getting that break, and, and you, know, you don't want to lose in the first round because you got so much time off, but playing to the end and, and winning the league sometimes backfires uh, because you're so worn out. Yeah. It's true. That that would be the downside of being the champion and hosting at the same time. Uh, and listen, St. John getting knocked out in the first round was an upset. That wasn't supposed to happen. You, you think back to like, like when Saskatoon hosted, them being knocked out in the first round wasn't a big shocker because they weren't that strong of a host team. Uh, but for the most part, it doesn't happen very often where the host is a contender and get eliminated that early. So it's not like it's a strategy, really, but it's the, the silver lining to that for sure is you get tons of rest. But uh, to your point, you don't necessarily want to have that big break, uh, but you don't, you're not exactly disappointed if you're, well, extremely disappointed. Sure, you want to win the championship, mm-hmm. the league championship, uh, but uh, you know, if you fall around short, you're okay with that too because you get well-rested. The, the worst part, I guess, would be getting to the final and getting eliminated, and then you get no rest and you're not the champ. Yeah, exactly. And you're going in as the host and you have injuries. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw what happened to the Edmonton Oil Kings in 2013 when they lost Griffin Reinhardt in, in that final. And uh, even Laurent Persuade wasn't healthy going into the Memorial Cup in yeah. 2012. So it, it does certainly catch up to you. Uh, but let's talk about the rest of the league and four divisions in the uh, East, Central, BC and US. Who do you think the top teams will be out of those four divisions? Well, we'll start with the U.S. division. I've already picked Seattle to be my team, so uh, no question for me that it's the, the T-Birds. Uh, give a bit of a shout-out again to, to Portland and, and Everett. I don't think Spokane or Tri-City are in the mix uh, this year just yet. Uh, in the B.C. division, I think it is the host, and I expect they'll make some, some changes along the way. The reason I picked Kamloops uh, or Seattle over Kamloops at this point is goaltending. The, the Blazers start the season without really a whole lot of experience. Dylan Ernst is their guy right now, uh, but he's a youngster, hasn't played a whole lot. I mean, he was the backup to Dylan Grand, and you can understand with Grand, mm-hmm. he's not going to have played a whole lot. So a bit of a question mark there. Not to say that he can't do it, but he hasn't had to do it yet. So uh, until he does, he hasn't. Uh, so that would be the difference in my opinion. So, But I still have Kamloops as the best team in the BC division, and I expect they'll probably make 
a bunch of changes uh, between now and the January 10th deadline. Uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference, uh, I, I think everybody's looking at Winnipeg and Moose Jaw as the top two teams, not just in the East Division, but in the Eastern Conference. And it might be a coin flip right now for me between those two clubs. I think I'd give a slight edge to Winnipeg. They've got a lot of overagers right now. They've got four, and they're pretty good ones. So depending on who they keep and what they do with the asset that they get back uh, and uh, and where that player ends up, that might change the, the power structure in the conference a little bit. But uh, I would expect uh, whoever it is that they move out probably goes to the other conference or something like that. But uh, I, I think it's a, a two-horse race uh, right now. But in the Central Division, I think it's a little bit more up for grabs than it was last year with Edmonton was clearly the top team in the division. Uh, I think I would have Red Deer there, but much like Kamloops, no experience in net or virtually none. Actually, Red Deer has no experience, no games played for either goaltender that they're starting the season with as they're wow. starting that minor chase coward out with illness. Uh, so I, I think he has a, a heart problem. I, I could be wrong on that, but uh, so he's got to get that corrected or he might be done. Uh, so right now the Rebels entering the season with zero games uh, experience uh, with uh, both of their goaltenders. So that would be the big question mark for the Rebels. Yeah, indeed. Uh, at such a, a key position to rely on a young player is always going to be really, 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 or an inexperienced player, uh, for yeah. sure. Guy Flaming is the host of the Pipeline Show, and he's joining us. Uh, uh, he's also uh, on uh, the Oil Kings broadcasts, and you, you mentioned it. There's a little bit of uh, uncertainty in some of the divisions, and, and every year there's always a surprise team. There's always a team that you know falls uh, to the pressure or doesn't live up to expectations, but there's always a team that maybe outdoes the expectations. Why do you like Swift mm -hmm. and PG this year? Well, Swift for sure because I think, I mean, they, they missed the playoffs last season, so I don't think there are a lot of people across, maybe casual fans who are looking at them as being a team that's going to vault themselves up the standings a whole bunch. They had five drafted players last year at the NHL draft. Uh, and they, including Reed Dick, who's their goaltender, drafted by Boston. But then they brought in Gage Alexander from the Winnipeg Ice, who's a couple years older. He's also drafted by the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he's one of those 20-year-olds uh, that Winnipeg had to get rid of and lands in a good spot there in Swift. So they've really shored up their goaltending position. And they were a young team last year, just couldn't get into the playoffs, but a lot of experience down the stretch playing some meaningful hockey. I, I think that's a team that's poised to to take a big step in a division where I think some teams are coming back to them, including the Oil Kings. So uh, will will Swift move from you know outside of the playoffs to second? Might be a lot to expect, but I'm not going to put it past them either. And PG? PG is, I thought they were underachieved last year. And the reason I picked uh, Prince George is almost by D, by a process of elimination because I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises to be had here. Uh, Kamloops and Cologne are going to be good. Everett and uh, and Seattle and, and Portland are going to be good. That's about it. So of hmm. uh, the remaining teams, I'm thinking Prince George is the one that has the most upside. But they've, they've got young players who have to realize their potential, and they didn't do it last year. Uh, I think maybe they've got a couple more veterans that they've brought in, guys like Chase Wheatcroft, who's a good player, uh, that might be able to bring out the best in their younger players. So we'll, we'll see another year under their belt for the Cougars, and uh, maybe that will be the team that finally takes a step forward. 
All right, so when we talk about uh, potential uh, scoring leaders in the WHL, I always found this so hard to do because is it going to be a 20-year-old that doesn't miss time for the World Juniors? Uh, Is a guy like Connor Bedard going to be able to make up for the time he's going to miss, you know, and lead uh, the tournament in scoring? Uh, But I did ask you to pick a guy, and and obviously, you know, everybody would probably pick Bedard, so we kind of took him, Mm -hmm. I guess, out of the equation. The guy you picked, I had such an appreciation for while watching him this summer at the World Juniors. I did not see him enough, and I was so impressed. I thought his motor never stopped, and he was a real key guy. So tell me why you think a guy like Logan Stankoven could be the leading scorer in the WHL. For everything you just said, his he's, uh, his tenacity, his work ethic, he's, got a, he's not the biggest guy in the world, obviously, but he never backs away from uh, a competitive area on the ice. He's always driving to the net. He's got terrific hands uh, and can shoot the puck, man. That guy can bury the, the, uh, the, the puck from anywhere on the ice. It seems like he's really crafty. Uh, and he had a great run last year where he was putting up a ton of points. So uh, I think and he is a guy who will be at the world junior championship again for Canada. So he's going to have to be one of those guys like Alex Patan in his draft year, uh, or in his uh, draft plus one year, I believe, played for Canada and ended up coming back and won the scoring championship, I believe. Mm. I might be wrong. Uh, but, you know, I think Stankoven can be that kind of guy as well. And, you know, but you're right. Most Usually it's a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old that doesn't play on the world junior team that has a breakout season, and, uh, and they are the guys who end up leading the league. And Arshdeep Baines last year, perfect example, uh, as a 20-year-old undrafted guy uh, who uh, was that player for Red Deer and Ben King right behind him in scoring also with the Red Deer Rebels. So if it's not Bedard, if it's not Stan Coven, it's going to be somebody like that. And Stan Coven is just, he's about to be vaulted into this national stage on the World Juniors and the Memorial Cup because Kamloops is hosting. And, you know, every year, you know, you got like Ridley Gregg out of this summer, people were just salivating. And and I remember like people saying, talking to people, like people are going to be really disappointed when they see Ridley Gregg in the NHL. Not that he isn't going to be a good player, but he's not going to be that dominant player of the game uh, every time. He's going to play a little, probably like a second line, third line, uh, sort of a role, but Logan Stankoven, I have a feeling, is going to be one of the most popular players, not named Bedard, this year when it comes to prospects, because he's going to be in both of those high-level tournaments. And he's an easy guy to cheer for. I, I think the small guys who just find a way instantly become crowd favorites, right, or fan favorites, because mm-hmm. he, I mean, it's easy to pull for the underdog, and when you're playing a, a big man sport like that, and yet you're having success when you're 5'8", and whatever he is, 160, 180 pounds, uh, maybe, it's easy to cheer for. So, yeah, he's going to have a lot of fans, whether it's in Kamloops or with the Dallas Stars and or with Team Canada. Uh, he's going to be a fun player to watch, and I'm so glad that the conferences are crossing over this year, because I mean, it's been since 2019 since we've seen teams in Edmonton from either the BC or the U.S. division. Finally, we'll get to see uh, the Camus Blazers and Logan Stankoven here in Edmonton. So, and and I've, the the owner of the Dallas Stars also owns the Kamloops Blazers, so you know that yeah. the you know, they know what the priority is, and obviously, right. um, Kamloops has a ton of picks. Like you know, that's the we're going to get to our next question about Connor Bernard in a second, but you know, Kamloops with all their picks they have is going to be loading up in some capacity to give Stankoven and everybody some help. Well, you would have to think so. And, and I mentioned goaltending as a, an area where they don't really have a marquee name yet. 
Uh, and listen, I don't expect a guy like Sebastian Kosa to be coming back to the WHL. Uh, he's a signed 20-year-old. He should be in the American League or at the ECHL level. But if, for some reason, a guy like that was to be sent back to the Oil Kings, it's a team like Kamloops that would be vying for his services, and I don't think the Oil Kings would have any, any problem at all getting a, a pretty hefty price for him. But Kamloops can pay that price. And as you mentioned, whether it's Connor Bedard or somebody else, you'll even look at their defensive core. They've got some good players. They already went out and picked up Kyle Masters from the uh, the Red Deer Rebels, but it cost them a good player in Matt's Lindgren. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they're still in the market to, to address their defense. Because I don't think Lindgren and Masters are the same player. Lindgren much more offensive. Masters more of a two-way guy. And maybe it leans even a little bit more on the defensive side, which is good if you're a, a team – Vying for the Memorial Cup title this year. You, you need guys like that for sure, but they might want an offensive defenseman, and maybe there's one out there that they can they can find from a team that's uh, struggling to make the playoffs. Or, you know, if it's if it's Connor Bedard, I mean, you, you instantly go from uh, a contender to odds-on favorite uh, if you're a team like Kamloops that picks him up. One hundred percent. It's uh, you know what whatever team Bedard lands on if he gets traded to uh, becomes a contender uh, for that Memorial Cup and uh, I like Stan Coven last year was already so good like 45 goals 59 assists in, in that amount of games it's incredible I, I did ask you about Connor Bedard and so I asked you where you think Connor Bedard will end the season tell me why you think he's not going anywhere I I, I... I just have a hard time seeing Regina getting first, getting the price that they want, and bailing. Uh, I, I think they're going to be close enough to the playoff picture that they're going to keep them and they're going to try to make it happen uh, down the stretch. I don't know if right now I don't know if they're good enough to make the playoffs as is. Uh, they did pick up a pretty interesting uh, import player in uh, the mm-hmm. I forget his first name, uh, but he's a uh, I believe a Washington Capitals yeah. prospect. He's got a lot of skill. Um, so we'll see what he does uh, with them. They, they've got some other players. Tanner Howe is a terrific young player. So they're, I think they're better than they were last year, but they weren't good enough to make the playoffs last year. So uh, I think they will take a step forward. If they're in the mix at Christmas time and at, before the trade deadline, if they're you know in a, a possession of a playoff spot or even just uh, outside of it, I think they'll keep them. Uh, and that might be the wrong move in the long run. I mean, we've had this discussion in the past. <laughs> I know Rod Peterson was on your show, and I saw him yeah. talking about it too, and used the example of Jordan Everly and, and Colton Tubert. And we had that conversation with Brent Parker way back then, right, about, you know, why don't you trade those guys and better your franchise for the future? And his point was there's also something to be said about a star player starting and finishing his career with your franchise. Uh, and for those reasons – I just I think Bedard stays in Regina. Yeah, I I just can wholeheartedly disagree with that reasoning. I I understand it. Um, it's kind of cool, but in the end of the day, cool's not getting into the playoffs in two years. I mean, mm-hmm. this Regina Pats team, in all seriousness, they should have been contending last year with Bedard. Like they've had him for three years, so this should have been happening last year. I'm the the concern I have is. The amount that they're going to have to get, in my opinion, to get to the Memorial Cup is going to set them back so long, whereas trading Bedard is going to set them up and hopefully properly build it. But again, I go back to the fact that they've 
This is not the first time they've tried to to build around star players. So I just yeah. I just don't think like I think it's going to cost them so much to get anywhere close to where Kamloops and as you mentioned Seattle or Moose Jaw or Winnipeg is going to be. So for the sake of the franchise and long term, I I would be dealing him. I I understand the cachet of having a guy like Bedard being a pat for life, but that doesn't get you in the playoffs. And and honestly, when Connor Bedard, if Connor Bedard goes, to, well, he is going to the NHL next year. How good are the Pats going to be? They they're yeah. already a not a playoff team with him. So how bad is it going to be unless you can you know turn that around right away? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Your question to me was, where do I think he'll be? Yeah, Not what would right. I do with Connor Bedard. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I would trade him too. Uh, you know, what's another interesting tidbit is all, you think of all the exceptional players, all the players who are granted exceptional mm-hmm. status. Only one has won a league championship, and that's Joe Valeno. <gasps> wow. Exceptional players don't really benefit the team that drafts them. <laughs> they, because you got to be so bad to be in a position to get them yeah. that by the time they're – you know, your team is, a, he gets drafted first overall, probably most often, except for uh, Logan Day, uh, but, right. and Joe Valeno. And Shane Wright. They're immediately into the, yeah, that's right, in, into the NHL the next season, right? So the, your your junior team hasn't got to the point where they're contenders yet. That's so a wild them. stat. Yeah. That's impressive. Numbers, man. So numbers start coming at me, and I, I get all nervous. So uh, that, that's that's a bit of an inside joke. But uh, yeah, I, listen, I, I I get it. Especially you've sold tickets, and you know people freak out and stuff. But I think you have to look. And I know I think John Paddock said he's going to be a pat for life. I don't know why you would say that. I don't know why you would paint yourself into the corner because it's just going to come out. But. I, I get it. Sponsors, I get the cachet. Like yeah, that. yeah. I get. Yeah, I guess so. And there is something to be said about that, right? If if you trade yeah. Bedard, and just imagine what the circus. If Bedard isn't traded by the time the World Juniors comes around, that's going to be a circus in Halifax or wherever the camp is going to yeah. be in the tournament is. Because we've seen. Remember, we were uh, in Calgary when Brad Marchand was getting traded to to Halifax. I think so. It's always a circus. That's just going to make it even more if he's still in Regina. And yeah, especially if the Pats are, yeah. yeah, exactly. If they're not in the playoff picture at that point, yeah, it will be, uh, it'll be crazy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, quickly, uh, you said the conferences come in here. Who, who's somebody you're looking forward to seeing at uh, Rogers? Obviously, Connor Bedard and and Jagger and like all the guys from the East. But from the other yeah. conference, who's somebody specifically, like maybe a Stan Coven we talked about that you're really looking forward to seeing uh, at Rogers this year? Stan Coven would be the guy that I'm most excited to see with the Blazers. Uh, and again, I think the Kelowna Rockets are going to be good. Andrew Crystal is a, a nice young player, also draft eligible this year. And with the Vancouver Giants local product here from St. Albert, uh, Zach Ostapchuk has mm. uh, had a terrific uh, second half of the season and uh, was one of the leading scorers in the playoffs, even though they didn't get out of the second round. So uh, the Vancouver Giants uh, will have some interest here uh, locally for those two guys. Uh, outside that, we're not going to see the U.S. division up here. They'll be, uh, it'll be the Oil Kings going down there this season. So, unfortunately, we won't get to see uh, uh, those players again this year, which is weird because think of it, it'll be four years then, and a lot of those players played their entire WHL career without actually coming to Alberta. It's, it's crazy. That is weird. I guess, yeah, COVID yeah. Uh, put, a, put a hold on a lot of that. Damn but, COVID. yeah. All right. Well, we're we're excited because hockey is here again. Uh, I got the shirt on. Can I just 
have hockey tonight and hockey tomorrow night at Rogers. I can't wait to see you at the rink again. Hopefully it's not as cold as it was during the summer because, holy man, it was it cold. It probably is. Uh, and it's just going to be fun to be back in the rink again and, and watching some uh, some good kids play hockey. Thanks so much. Uh, tell the fine folks uh, where they can find uh, what I call the preeminent prospect show uh, on the planet, the Pipeline Show. I like that. It is the pipelineshow.com and anywhere you get your podcast from, uh, you can find it there. Just search it up. Awesome Easy stuff. As, that. as usual, my man. Thanks so much. We'll see you at the rink. Dean, it was great to uh, great to see you again. Great to chat. Go have an Asian box. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, he just has to send me off. Uh, at this point of the pipeline show, I would be leaving the studio, leaving Guy all alone because I would be laughing so hard. So, uh, I love it. Uh, we had so much fun on that show, uh, the Bogosian Cup. I can't tell you what that means either, but uh, it was fun. It was really, really fun. All right, uh, give me a quick second. I'm going to duck out uh, for a quick break, and we're going to turn from the WHL into the National Hockey League. What forwards should you be targeting when it comes to not just the stars, but Guys that could get a bump from a particular line. Maybe we're looking at second liners today. Multi-category guys. Uh, and we're going to take a few forwards from each division. Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey, one of our great partners. We do the Dauber Hockey preview uh, every day. Well, we won't do it today because we have uh, Michael with us. But that is coming up. Give me uh, 30 seconds to get them all set up. And we'll be right back. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on Twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports.
right, really fun chat. This show is just flying by. I can't believe it's uh, 5.25 Eastern already. Uh, al- I'm already late, and, and it's Michael Amato's first uh, time with the show, so I apologize for being a bit tardy, but uh, Guy and I go back a long ways, and sometimes uh, I go on a tangent every one once in a while. But really excited uh, to be talking uh, hockey uh, with our next guest. He's going to join us uh, every Thursday. Uh, and he is from Dauber Hockey. And this is going to be really important for you because if you need to win your matchup, you need to know about the weekend matchups. And those are obviously where uh, championships get won. So we'll get into that as the season uh, progresses uh, a little bit more. But today we're going to talk about uh, forwards as I'm joined by Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey. Michael, how are you, man? Doing pretty well, Dean. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about uh, this partnership. We've really enjoyed doing the previews. I think the fantasy guide uh, that you guys have out there is top notch. Uh, But today we're going to talk about some forwards. We've previewed goalies and we've previewed uh, defensemen. We are going to get into a little bit of goalies uh, at the end of the segment. But when it comes to forwards, and we've kind of done this uh, with defensemen and goalies, but who are the best when it comes to each division? If you had to take two forwards from each division... Who would you start with? Let's start with the the Atlantic division. Uh, what do you like from the Atlantic? And then you can carry on through the rest of the divisions. Yeah, so I think for the Atlantic, uh, first name is probably not going to surprise anyone. You know, Austin Matthews. Um, I think it's safe to say he's the best goal scorer in the league now. Maybe some uh, Washington Capitals fans would disagree, but um, I think he's probably got that title at this point. Um, you know, he should, if he stays healthy, he should pretty much be a lock. Uh, to score 50 goals and I think 60 is obviously really in the cards after what he did last year Um, so that one's kind of a no-brainer I like Nikita Kucherov as well I think some people might um, downgrade him a little bit this year just because of the injury history but if you look at last season he had the second highest uh, points per game besides Connor McDavid um, albeit in a smaller sample size but he's someone that you actually might I I don't want to say he's going to slip too far but you might actually be able to get him a little bit later than, than you would have in past years just because of, of the last few years he's had uh, a few injuries there. But I think he'll be full value if he can play even close to like 70 games. I think he's he's going to really make it worth your while. Um, and yeah, and then if we sort of stick in, in the East with the Metro, um, obviously I mentioned Ovechkin earlier. Um, he's certainly not showing his age. So until he starts doing that, <laughs> until he stops scoring 50 goals, um, he's probably still a top 10 pick for you. Um, and yeah, I like, I like Artemi Panarin this year a lot. I think um, Vincent Trocek's probably going to play with him, which I think is an upgrade from Ryan Strom from last year. So I think that's going to help his help his numbers for sure. Yeah, Ovechkin, as, as you mentioned it, um, like the big story is catching Gretzky. But to do that, he's got to consistently score you know you know over thirty goals. And and like I think that I think Alex Ovechkin. I don't know why, but I think he returns to that 50 goal. I think he saw what Matthews did last year and thought, hey, I used to be the king. Maybe now I'm not. Do you think there's a motivation with Ovechkin? Oh, I think so. I know, I know, like, A, chasing the record is definitely going to be motivation for him. But, yeah, B, like you mentioned, sort of seeing Matthews do it, a, a younger player, maybe just to try and prove that he can still keep pace with him. I think that's going to give him a lot of motivation, too. I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think he could score 50 still, again, easily. All right, so let's move on to the West now, and we'll start in, in the Central, and the man with the brand-new contract, pretty easy one from that division as well. 
Yeah, highest paid player in the league. Um, just coming off a cup, um, he still sounds pretty hungry. So I think he's gonna gonna have another productive season. Um, that Avs team is loaded, so obviously lots of production there. Um, and yeah, then I went with Kaprizov uh, for the Wild. I think he's just such a you know very talented offensive player. Um, can score in like any scenario. If you look at his line mates last year, uh, like Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello, <laughs> they both had career years um, playing with. Uh, Kaprizov and that says a lot you know not that those guys were slouches but definitely not um, I think players you you would have thought would have had the seasons they did but playing next to him I think they really were able to capitalize Um, and then obviously two Oilers Um, once again you know that Edmonton top six is just really stacked I mean you can't really go against McDavid Um, he's just you know he's just always right up there gonna win the scoring title probably again and you know dry settles right on his tail you know I, I saw a few people maybe argue that uh, Matthew should be ahead of Dreisaitl in, in some draft rankings, but I think Dreisaitl's had like 52 more points than Matthew's over the past mm-hmm. two years, even though Matthew's might have the edge on goals. Um, but yeah, unless, you're, unless your league is, is, has some really crazy valuation uh, in, in goal scoring, I think Dreisaitl's still probably the second player off your board. It's interesting. Uh, Nathan McKinnon doubles his AAV, and uh, in a salary cap league, if you're in one, he's still going to be worth. The, you know, it was it was at such a ridiculous deal at whatever six point three. Even at twelve point six, he's still going to produce in in a bunch of different categories to be a top flight top flight fantasy guy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like like that Avs power play is loaded. <laughs> that top they may they may end up now that Kadri's gone, they might end up going back to, you know, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Cobb load up that top line again, too. Obviously, McCarr um, is a great quarterback on the power play for the back end. And, yeah, it's just you can't really go wrong with with any one of those top uh, avalanche forwards. You know, I find it interesting. Uh, there's some leagues where goals uh, are valued higher uh, than assists. And, and I, I, you know, I wasn't in the draft, but someone, a friend of mine told me they were in a draft where I think McDavid went third. I mean, Matthews went first. And I just don't see it unless goals are like three points yeah. and assists are worth one or something because the, the, the extra points McDavid, like McDavid might have 130, 140 points. Who knows? The points are going to be more. And McDavid, let's remember, is trying to score more. So I think that gap, like I don't know why you wouldn't take Connor McDavid first in every draft, even if, you know, unless goals are crazy outrageous. But the points that he's going to get on top of the goals are going to carry him to the lead again in fantasy. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I saw a couple of rankings that, that had him second too, and, and I, I just don't understand it. Even if you look at his shots totals, like they're pretty up there. Like he's 300 shot player. Like there's not really a, anything you can poke at in his game, right? Like he's going to get tons of power play time, tons of power play points. Yeah, like you said, unless your league has really specific categories, and I'm sure some do out there, sure. but yeah, he's, he's got to be the consensus number one for me. Yeah, I think he can get 50 goals. And Dreisaitl, um, you know, I think Dreisaitl's going to challenge Matthews. I think it's going to be so exciting. The amount of 100-point guys and 40 to 50 to 60 goal guys uh, we could see in the next little while is, is going to be so awesome. And then there are some guys that you're looking at that we called it need some line luck. Here's three guys. I'm going to get rid of that uh, ticker here. Three guys that could be really, really good if they get a little line luck. Tell me why you went with three, these three guys. Yeah, so I think one of the things to to watch uh, over the next few weeks in training camp is, is kind of see who who slots in where. And obviously in the in the summer, you know, the, the big news was sort of like Johnny Goudreau 
going to Columbus and we all know who's going to play with Patrick Laine, but who's going to center them, right? Like that's the question. Um, it sounds like Boone Jenner is going to get the first crack at it. It would make a lot of sense um, just because he's really good on faceoffs. So, the, you know, that'll help with puck possession for that line. Um, and yeah, and anybody stuck between those two guys is probably going to have a really productive season. You know, Jenner was really strong offensively last year before he got hurt. So I think in that scenario, um, he could easily put up 60 points. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about him uh, a little bit later on when we talk about some multi-cat guys because he fits that, that bill as well. But yeah, it's just sort of taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think another player as well is, uh, you know, Andrew Mangiapane. Um, I think he's probably going to be battling with Tyler Toffoli for that right wing spot uh, with Huberto and Lindholm on the top line in Calgary now. So he had 35 goals last year. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to say he could hit 40 plus um, if he stays with that group for most of the year. Um, we all know Huberto last year really tore it up and he's, he's a tremendous passer. So I think he'll really benefit from that. Um, and yeah, lastly, Connor Brown, I think gets a nice change of scenery. He, his numbers were a little bit down, but uh, you know, with Tom Wilson out, there's a right wing slot open with uh, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. And, and maybe that's Brown. I think he's maybe going to have the inside track on that. And in that scenario, I think he could easily get back, you know, to 20, 25 goal score. Yeah. And, and like you said, these are some really interesting kind of training camp battles. And uh, I, I always, you know, I did, I did the pre and post game show for years here in Edmonton. And, and I remember Ty Ratty was a, a training camp superstar one time because he was playing with uh, Connor McDavid. So it's, it's important to pay attention to it, uh, but also know what's realistic. And these three guys here can realistically uh, stick. If, if you see a guy who has hard ever played in the NHL get stuck on a first line don't think it's automatically going to happen just because they had some success so it, you really have to pay attention and weed through what is you know kind of you know possible and what is just kind of training camp fodder yeah definitely and I think if you look at like Jenner and Manjupane those two guys are probably draftable regardless yeah but someone like Connor Brown is maybe someone you're looking at you know, on the waiver wire in the first week or two, if he, if he does land that spot and he catches fire and you kind of pick up on it and maybe, you know, you scoop him up and that's a good, good game for you early in the season. Yeah, totally. Imagine Pani last year, there was talk about him being on the Olympic team if they were going to the Olympics. That's yeah. how good of a start he had. So I think he will definitely continue it. And Daryl Sutter obviously has some faith in him. Um, th this is an important uh, thing when it comes to drafts. I mean, everybody, you know, they try to get the best players all the time. But then as you get later in the draft, what are the best secondary options? You know, wide receiver twos in football and second line guys. I mean, you, you could have easily probably had Leon Dreisaitl on this list if you really wanted to, because that's yeah. a technically a second line guy. But these are some guys on this list that I think are terrifically skilled and are going to get softer matchups. Yep, definitely. And I think it's important to watch too. Like some of these, some of these players and some of these teams, you know, they almost have two first lines, right? Like mm -hmm. if you look at like Jordan Cairo, like St. Louis is, is pretty deep up front. Um, you know, he was on the second line last year. We'll see how it shakes out in training camp, but yeah, he's essentially a point of game player, lots of speed. Um, I think the blues very quietly, you know, they ranked uh, third in goals for last year and they're, they're not typically known for that, but they really, um, started filling the net last year and a lot of guys in their top six and even top nine took advantage of it. Um, and yeah, if you look at like Tim Stutzla, everyone's favorite pick for a breakout candidate <laughs> this year. Um, and I don't disagree. He's probably going to be playing with the Brinkat and Drew. Um, so I think, yeah, he could be another point of game player. And one thing about Stutzla, um, not a lot of people 
realize, but you know, very quietly last year, he had 125 hits. So wow. if he gives you around that. Yeah. If he gives you about that number of hits, plus he's close to a point a game, that's really, really good value. Um, and I think he's just kind of sort of ascending his climb into just being a really good player. And yeah, if you look over at the jets again, they have, you know, the Shifley Ehlers Wheeler line is, is that the number one line or is it Dubois Connor and, you know, insert winger there, is it going to be Cole Perfetti this year? But Anyways, I think Dubois um, is really good for multi-cat um, leagues as well. You know, he can give you like 100 penalty minutes, 100 hits, 60 points, you know, 200 shots, stuff like that. So a lot of versatility there um, with Dubois and the Jets. And, yeah, I think he's going to get get a lot of playing time as well. Yeah, and, and what happens long-term with the Jets, who knows? But right now, um, I, I think you can count on a, a solid. And you're right, the like a Dubois could be on the second line, and the, those teams with that depth, like you see the Oilers, it's almost interchangeable. Yeah. So you are getting a quote-unquote second-line player with the ability to move up. And, and when we talk about... Um, you know, production from non-top six, that's also where you can win a fantasy league. You can get a team that has maybe a, a top nine instead of a top six and get some extra yeah. depth. That can really, really be helpful. So who are some of the guys from the bottom six that you think can provide some offense and fantasy this year? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, St. Louis as a team that really is a little bit deeper and they have more of a top nine. And um, I, th- I think somebody like Braden Shen is a guy that, you know, produced pretty well last year, but he might be on the third line center spot this year. So I think he can um, probably still continue to pr- put up pretty good numbers this year. Um, he probably will still play with Ivan Barbashev, who had like a career year last year. So maybe they can continue to connect for some points. But that team is a really high scoring team. So I think he'll, he'll be able to take advantage of that. Um, Anton Lindell is interesting because he's a guy that's probably going to start on the third line and then potentially with the uh, opportunity to move up to the second line with Bennett and Reinhardt. And maybe one of those, maybe either Bennett or Lundell plays the wing um, on that second unit for the Panthers. So yeah, I don't know why I have Red Wings. I don't know why I have Red Wings there. I apologize for that (laughs) one. That was a brain cramp on my part. All good. No worries. Um, Yeah. So I think he's got a lot of offensive talent. I think if he, if he, ends up on Bennett, uh, Bennett's line with Ryan Hurd. I think he'll have a lot of potential there too. And that's another thing to look for is sometimes guys that start on the third line but have sort of a path to, to maybe move up to that top six. Um, and I think Lundell really fits that, that bill. Um, and yeah, Yoel Eriksson-Eck, I think a lot of people look at him as a really good defensive forward, which he is. But you know, he had 26, 26 goals last year, 17 power play points. He's also good for over 200 shots. Um, he's probably going to go late in your drafts. And if you're in a you know, some leagues that have face-offs. Um, there are a few of them out there. He's really good for that as well. Yeah, shots, uh, high-volume shooters. Uh, when you get, when you, like 200, you know, we always look at 50 goals as a great mark. That 200-shot mark is pretty important. If you can get a guy that has that high volume, uh, because, you know, depending on how much yeah. shots are, it can be a huge category to win. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the more you shoot, like, the more likely they're going to get goals mm-hmm. too, right? So, uh, yeah, I think just 200 is a good benchmark. Um, and I think try and combine that with other categories. So maybe when you're doing your drafts, try and filter some players out, like who who has 60 points and 200 shots. Right. Or, you know, 60, 60 points, 100 hits and 200 shots. So if you're in multi-cat leagues, you can't try and pair those things together when you're making your selections. 
All right. Well, that's a great, great segue into this uh, this next uh, category that we have. It's multi-category forwards. And, you know, a lot of people, like Tanner Jeanette in one of the leagues I won, he ended up being the rookie of the year because penalty minutes, they were weighted uh, uh, fairly high, but he ended up doing it. And, you know, we know what Brady Kachuk. When people think multi-categories, I think penalty minutes and points are two of the ones that are, are great focus. But, you know, if you're looking at trying to pair three shots, penalty minutes, points. That's a really pretty good start for multi-cats. Yep, definitely. And I think obviously the other one um, is hits. I think a lot of Mm. people uh, have that category as well. And someone obviously like Brady Kachuk, you know, there's not many players in the league like him that have, you know, sort of 300 shot, 300 hit and 30 goal potential. Um, He can kind of hit all those, those categories for you. Um, Juno is another one that can give you, um, like about 300 hits and he had, he had 24 goals last year. I think that's probably going to dip a bit because he had a really high shooting percentage. That's, that's probably going to, going to come down a little bit, but still, if he's, even if he's between 15 and 20 goals and he's giving you like 300 hits, that's really good value. Um, and we mentioned Jenner earlier, obviously if, if he does land that spot that it looks like with line a, um, and Goudreau, yeah, he's gonna, he always gave you sort of the hits, the shots and the, and the pims, but now if he's, if he's going to get 60 points too, if he becomes that kind of a player, he's going to be really viable. I think he's actually going to be a pretty trendy, trendy pick this year. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that Brady Kachuk 300, 300, it's like, you know, 30, 30 (laughs) in baseball. It's such a crazy number to think of. Uh, I always look at, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but Brad Marchand, he's a fantasy MVP contender every year because uh, I don't know if he gets as many shots as he used to, but he certainly racks up a whole lot of stuff. He plays in all situations. Those guys, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to outpoint Connor McDavid, but they are going to be among the the league leaders in in a lot of those categories. Definitely. And, and Marshawn's probably like on the higher end of, of players in multi-cat that like are going to provide you points, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they hear multi-cat, they, they really get fixated on shots and hits and they almost forget about the points a little bit. Um, and if you look at a guy like Marshawn, yeah, like you said, he fills a lot of categories and um, it'll be interesting to see where he, he gets drafted in a lot of leagues just because of his injury. I think he's going to miss probably the first couple months. So yeah, kind of how long do you, do you let him slide before you, uh, you grab him and stash him for a few months, hoping he can help you later in the season? Well, and that Boston team is so interesting. Like the band is getting back together for one last time here. The it's like an old folks' home almost. I'm I'm surprised <laughs> Chara didn't stay for a little bit longer. And obviously, I'm I'm joking a bit, but you know, guys are coming back and they're taking one more run at it, grabbing some of these Bruins and and even stashing guys like Marchand is not a bad strategy, depending on you know where you are in your situation. Because I have to think that a lot of like I think Swayman could have a huge depending on the split that happens there could be a huge breakout player uh, for the Bruins when it comes to goaltending. So that's a really interesting team to watch. And you're right. When do you jump in on the Bruins? Because in a dynasty league, you might only have Bergeron for this year if you're redrafting. Yeah, they really are one of the probably the more fascinating teams this year. New coach too. Um, Like Bruce Cassidy was a really goalie friendly coach, really good defensive coach. Um, Bruins ranked really well defensively while he was there so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that and yeah they have a lot of injuries like you know Charlie McAvoy I think is also going to miss a couple months like that's another guy you could stash if, if you have the room because um, he'll, he'll help you come playoff time right even if you get him for the second half of the season help you get in the playoffs in your league and it'll be worth it but again it's just 
Yeah, it depends. If you're holding him on IR and you have other injuries, it's it's hard to do, right? So, but the, these guys are going to fall pretty far to the point where you're just going to it's going to be hard to pass up on them, I think. Yeah, I, I agree as well. All right, so that's a really good look at uh, some forwards and some different categories. Uh, I know uh, you are, uh, you know, big into uh, the, the goaltending because uh, it's something that you do, uh, obviously, uh, with uh, goalie post and, and at Dauber, but these are some crease battles that, that you find it interesting. And I don't know, I the one guy I'm looking at on this graphic is, is Cal Peterson. I, I think he's going to take a step forward. I'm not sure about the other one. I think you could see a split there, but tell me about the crease battles for these two teams with Quick, Peterson, and Talbot, and Forsberg. Yeah, so you mentioned Peterson. He was probably in the conversation for most disappointing fantasy player last year. I think everyone was expecting him to claim that job last year. Uh, The Kings got a lot better, obviously. He would have been a really good value goalie last year if he was able to play the majority of the games, but Jonathan Quick managed to outplay him, so... At some point, I think Peterson's got to take that job. He's, I think he's almost 10 years younger than Quick. He's signed to a long-term deal. Um, he, he's got the pedigree. Like, he, he should be able to win that job. And if it's this year, yeah, he's probably not going to be super high on, on people's radar and drafts. So you might get a steal out of it. I think the Kings are going to be pretty good again. Um, but, yeah, I think probably they'll start off splitting again. Um, Quick had the slight edge in, in starts last year. But if that flips, or if Peterson can even steal a few more, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be really uh, really valuable. And I think in Ottawa, what's interesting is like when they got rid of Matt Murray, it almost felt like they were, you know, sort of giving the job to Anton Forsberg, and then they bring in Cam Talbot just shortly after, and he's back to kind of in a, in a split situation again. Forsberg was actually, I think, arguably the most consistent goalie in the second half of the year last year, like even even more than Shesterkin or Vasilevsky, like. Forsberg, I think he had 32 of his final 40 starts were above 900, uh, say, percentage. He was very consistent. Obviously, didn't get the wins because he was in Ottawa. But if Ottawa, you know, takes that step forward um, and he continues to play that way, he might have a good chance to, to get good playing time because, you know, Cam Talbot's 35 now. It's it's tougher to stay healthy at that age in that. I think it's tougher to, you know, play 55, 60 games at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Sens can kind of take that step forward and be a strong team and, and get a lot more wins, I think, I think it'll be closer to a 50-50 split. Yeah, and and like you said, these are probably guys that are not on the, you know, the the top radar, so you could probably wait for all four of these guys that's at really if if you wanted to take a chance on one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 never a bad strategy to wait on goalies. I think, you know, obviously the Shesterkins and the Vasilevskis are, are going to go high and then I think you've got a, a small tier below them that are also really talented, but after that, you know, they're they're all pretty you know, I think they're, I don't want to say they're all interchangeable, but you can definitely find a lot of value later in drafts, right? Like we just talked about Jonathan Quick, like he probably wasn't drafted in the majority of leagues last year, turned out to be really valuable. You know, Billy Huso last year, I'm, I'm sure yeah. wasn't drafted in, in, the, in the bulk of leagues, was really valuable. So there's just a lot of guys out there that you can find later, especially at that position where, where you can't really do the same at, at center and forward or sorry, center and, and uh, forward and defense, I should say. So yeah, exactly. you can definitely find more value later uh, in that. All right, uh, this was awesome. Uh, the debut of uh, you know our, our chats. Uh, tell the people where uh, they can find you. Obviously on Twitter, uh, we have it out there. But you you do stuff with Dauber, and uh, tell me about goal. Tell us about goalie post. Yeah, so you can find my work uh, basically on Twitter, uh, Amato underscore Mike, and uh, yeah, goaliepost.com. Goalie post is just a great resource for 
starting goalies every day for fantasy hockey. Um, we send out email alerts and, you know, follow us on Twitter at goalie post. We tweet, tweet out the starting goalies as they're released. So just kind of lets you know who's starting, who's not. Should you pick up somebody on waivers if you need to, you need to make mm-hmm. a switch. Um, just a, a good resource for that. And yeah, we produce a lot of content too. Awesome. And we'll be uh, getting everybody ready for the weekends as we go. Thanks so much, Michael. This has been uh, a real pleasure and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me on, Dean. You betcha. There's uh, Michael Amato of Dauber Hockey and Goalie Post. Uh, check it out. It's uh, a great resource. The, the fantasy guide that they have is uh, just next level. It is really awesome. That was so much fun. I, I can't wait to actually get the season going. WHL starts tomorrow. CIS. Well, U Sport now, I think, it's, I think it's called U Sport now. Golden Bears open the season against uh, UBC at Claire Drake if you're in the Edmonton area as well. But I'll be at Rogers Place to see the Edmonton Oil Kings battle the Red Deer Rebels and preparing for some more fantasy hockey drafts uh, with some great help uh, from Michael Amato. All right, uh, that is going to take us to a break, a very short break. When we come back, we will get into some games to watch later on this evening. Obviously, we'll uh, touch back on the Thursday nighter and some starts and sits. We're back in about 30 seconds. before 6 p.m. in the east 350 in the mountain time zone my name is dean millard this is ultimate fantasy sports daily awesome show today uh, just flew by marty murray the gm of the brandon wheat kings joined us earlier gee flaming of the pipeline show previewed the whl and we just had an awesome preview from michael amato dauber hockey uh you'll we'll lo- upload all of this to our youtube channel ultimate fantasy sports network we'll also put it out in audio format Again, search Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network where you find the best podcast, and you can uh, download it and listen to it. Uh, let's get back to uh, some things that we were doing uh, earlier uh, as far as our question of the day. Question of the day is, what was your favorite non-professional team growing up? I, I had the GM of that team on the show today, the, the Brown and Wheat Kings, the WHL team. Uh, but we got a lot of votes uh, for UConn women's basketball team. That was a pretty good one as well. Uh, so chime in on our Twitch chat in the message board, or you can hit me up at Duck Millard at UFS Network. And our top three was inspired by this from 15 years ago. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm 40. So that rant, 15 years old today. So your top three coaching rants, and I went with anything John Tortorella, Dennis Green, and Hal McRae. You can find them all. I tried to have video of them, but it just didn't work out. But great rants. So chime in uh, where you want on that. And if you're getting ready for the Thursday nighter, Amazon video, prime game. Here's some start and sit suggestions from me. Don't start either quarterback. 
Uh, Najee Harris and Nick Chubb are both starts. I didn't have uh, Jalen Warren starting. Andy McNamara says Kareem Hunt will uh, be a good one because of the weather. So you might want to start Kareem Hunt because of that weather. You might also want to downgrade Deontay Johnson and Amari Cooper. I have them both starting, but if it's such a bad weather night, there might not a lot of be a passing. Uh, Chase Claypool is a flex option. Uh, Dante Peoples Jones or Donovan Peoples Jones is a sit, and both tight ends I would not uh, be starting. Reminder: If you do want to bet responsibly, use my link. Check it out at Duck Millard on Twitter. Click the link in my bio, get a 125% bonus to bet on sports at BetUS. All right, so games to watch tonight. You know, are you, what are you more into? Are you more into the Browns and the Steelers? Hmm. Browns and Steelers. Child, please. No, thanks. How about... Aaron Judge going for 60. Play ball. I'm into that one. Definitely, that's what I'll be watching. I'm watching Albert Pujols right now. Uh, The Padres are leading the Cardinals 3-1 in the top of the six. But Albert Pujols is up to bat right now. So we might see 699 right now. If If you're watching the game... This is where Pujols sits. 698 home runs with 12 games, 11 after today remaining. Oh, like if if you're the pitcher, just groove one in and be number 699. The Padres, they stink. Just serve one up to Albert. Bond 762, Hank Aaron 755, Ruth 714. The only three in front of him. He's already passed A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez. So Pujols continues the chase for 700. As mentioned, he's up to bat right now. Oh, that was a big cut. He was looking for 699 that time. And Aaron Judge will try to rise again and try to get... Home run number 61. He has 14 games remaining. The record is 61. He's tied, babe. He can tie Roger Maris. Oh, and Pujols just drilled one. There is 690. No, it didn't get out. I thought it was gone. It had warning track power. Oh, man, I was getting so excited. I thought we just had 699 live on the show. Oh, my goodness. It would have been like when the Dodgers won the World Series. Anyway, back to Judge. 14 games remaining. He only needs two home runs to set the new American League record. But how high can he get? Can he get to McGuire in 99? Can he get to Sosa in 98? I think that's. I think he. the highest he's going to get is 65. Remember, they got a playoffs. They got... They, they got playoffs to win. Playoffs? Yeah, they're in the playoff race, okay? Playoffs? <laughs> so there you go. I'm going to be watching Judge because I don't know if Albert's going to get another at-bat, but I'll keep this game on. But tonight it's the Red Sox and the Yankees. I mean, how great would it be if Aaron Judge ties... 
or passes Babe Ruth, rather. He's tied with Babe Ruth right now. Passes Babe Ruth as a Yankee versus the Red Sox. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. This show was beautiful. What a great show today. It was just outstanding. Thanks again to Marty Murray, uh, Brandon Weeking's general manager and uh, former legend. Well, still is a legend. I, I love that he remembered needing a ticket for the F- Memorial Cup final. I mean, how does Marty Murray not get a ticket in Brandon? He's, he could be the mayor. So Marty joined us. Great conversation. It'll be up on YouTube. Gee Flaming, always a pleasure to talk with my man Gee from the Pipeline Show. Check it out at thepipelineshow.com. And Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey every Thursday, 520, getting you set for the weekend. Thanks so much for joining me. Enjoy Thursday night football. Uh, we're back again tomorrow to wrap up the week, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. And of course, Andy McNamara has Ultimate Fantasy Football this weekend for you, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Have yourselves a good night, everybody. Go judge. Take care. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.